Simon Newton, the former bodyguard for the rich and famous. Right, apart from Michael Jackson, which was quite a lot before I did the Michael Jackson job uh, when I was on leave from Afghanistan. So we do, um, we do everything. So bodyguards, obviously, um, surveillance, uh, sorry, close protection, uh, asset protection. We do a lot of like private events, so uh, celebrity weddings and stuff like that. I remember when I first went to, <laughs> when I first went to Baghdad, told my mum I was working in Kuwait, and um, we got rocketed. I was on the 18th floor in the Palestine Hotel in Baghdad, and uh, we used to eat up there. We got rocketed, and they, hit, they slammed into the side of the lift shaft of the 12th floor and caught on fire. But so obviously anything all got hit there, it got reported on. Instantly, I think it's CNN put it up. I got caught walking out the lobby of the hotel while it was on fire in my shorts and t-shirt with my AK-47 and my mum had seen it. What's going on guys? This video is sponsored by Louis. Some of you know him on Insta as Loads, one of the best Instagram names, let me tell you that. Guys, Louis has been building online businesses for the last five to 10 years and he has spent the last five years coaching others one-to-one -one on how to start businesses. Louis's got over 2,000 profitable testimonials and guys, let me be honest with you, I wouldn't let someone sponsor the show who I didn't vouch for. So trust me, it's legit. Literally, just go send him a DM on Instagram, it's at Loads. All you gotta do is say to him, I come from the Blue Tick Show, help me make some money. And I know most of these people out there scams and there's plenty of people out there offering you millions and millions of pounds and stuff like that. Louis is one of the 1% who actually do it properly. Legitly, you don't need nothing. All you literally need is a phone and Wi-Fi. Send him a message and leave the rest to him. Guys, and if you want to know why I'm sitting here pushing it so much, it's because realistically, Doing a nine to five ain't gonna get you nowhere. And I know most people sit here and say this because they're getting some sort of commission for it and stuff like that, but I really ain't. I'm telling you as a good person, the host of the show, doing a nine to five ain't gonna get you nowhere. So go message Louis, say you come from the boutique show, just ask Louis for the business model, let him do the explaining and let him explain to you how he can help you. I'll see you soon. What's going on guys and welcome back to the Blue Tick Show. Opposite me today, I watch Simon Newton, the former bodyguard for the rich and famous, the likes of Kendall Jenner, Michael Jackson, Rita Ora, and the list goes on. Welcome to the show. Thanks mate, thanks for having me. Listen, it's a pleasure having someone opposite me who's dealt with guests like that, well with celebrities like that. <laughs> big, big names. You ever get starstruck around them? Um, not really. I think uh, the first one I ever did out of all that lot was Michael Jackson. So it's the, the biggest one was uh, the sort of you know the most famous one was the first one I ever did. So it kind of everything <laughs> was less. <laughs> yeah, no, after true. So that. Dealing with Michael Jackson though, that's a big big deal. Yeah, I was I was only twenty six years old at the time as well. So I was quite young, really. Um, I didn't know when I took the job on. I didn't know it was going to be him. They don't tell you? No, they didn't tell us, no. They just said it was going to be a businessman coming into London. Would you do the job? I actually said no to start with, couldn't do it. No way. Um, and then they called me back and they said, you know, they put the money up and they said, are you sure you can't do it? I said, I'll go and I'll, I'll come and, you know, reluctantly, I'll come and do it then. Um, it turned out it was Michael Jackson, yeah. Look, Simon, before we dive into what everyone's here, obviously people have probably seen in the title, Michael Jackson, Kendall Jenner. Talk to me about you, your upbringing, your childhood. Who are you? Um, so I'm originally from Eastbourne, uh, which is for lots of people who don't really know where Eastbourne is, but it's, it's um, just along the coast from Brighton, not far, half an hour from Brighton. Um, I went to I went to school, uh, normal school. I, I haven't got any sort of. Uh, um, I'm not for, from a affluent family, you know. I'm not from a wealthy family or anything like that. I wasn't poor either, but for, from working, yeah, working class family. Uh, my father was a firefighter. Um, for many, many years. My mum had various jobs while she was bringing me and my sister up. Only two of you? Yeah, just me and my sister, yeah. Um, all my family still live down there. Um, oh, really? Obviously, I've been living in London a long time now. But um, Yeah, so that's where it all started for me. I joined the Army Cadets when I was a, when I was a kid. Always wanted to be in the Army? Yeah, and that was what it was. That's what I always wanted to be in the Army. I think, obviously, being a cadet when I was a kid as well probably gave me a little bit more of a thing for it. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I just had a very normal... Um, upbringing it was a nice place to be brought up in Eastbourne it's quiet I mean it, it, for now like there's no work down there now for for me and that but when I when you're a youngster it's not a bad place to be brought up it wasn't then anyway what was the cadets like I used to love that all my all my mates I used to go around with outside of school were um army cadet mates you know I, I had friends at school but outside of school hours most of them were all army cadet mates is it tough 
Uh, yeah, sometimes it could be. When I used to look back at it, you know, when you're a 13-year-old lad or whatever and you're freezing cold and wet through, <laughs> um, sometimes you used to think, oh, blimey, you know, why am I bothering? But, but it's so much other good stuff outweighed that, you know, and, and obviously um, later on, if you want to be a soldier, you need to uh, get used to being wet and cold pretty quickly, really. Definitely, otherwise you've got no hope, basically. No, if you don't like being wet and cold, don't even bother joining the army. How, how long was the cadets? Oh, I did quite a long time in it. I started 12 or 13 years old. and Young, usually it's a little bit older you start, no? Uh, usually people start about 14, 15. No, I think they start... Oh, they do start young, yeah, yeah? I think they do, yeah. I think they can start at 12 now. How long did you do when um, you finish? I, I finished when I was... I did it actually right up, almost up until I, I joined the uh, the military myself. Um, so I don't know, 19 or something like that. Maybe I joined the army quite late. What was the army like? Was it completely I different was, to the cadets? Yeah, I mean it's the it's the real thing, isn't it? Um, I I I joined reserves first, um, and then I went across to regular army. I got posted out to Canada. What um, was it like? That was good. We did a we did a lot of time on exercise, live firing and, and blank ammunition. It's like a month long exercises we were running out there. Um, I think the place is shut down now because um, they, they they sold it off or whatever. But um, run out of the army. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did just over a year out, out there. Um, I, had, I had a good time out there. I learned a lot, um, you know, plenty of money. I wasn't spending much because of... Uh, what was the hardest thing about the army? Hardest thing? I, mean, I, I didn't find anything, partic- for me, particularly... There's nothing I didn't like, let's put it like that. Obviously, there's hard courses you could go on and, you know, all that sort of thing. So it was a hard aspect to the army. But for me... Was it hard being in the army? No, it wasn't for me. I, I That's because that was your that was your fantasy. You wanted to do it. You loved it. Yeah, you weren't yeah. kind of pushed into it or forced to do it. I never felt like I was working. Yeah, that's you know, the best part I about it. And the <laughs> thing is, with being in any in the military, army, navy, air force, it is a lifestyle as well because you are there twenty four seven, really. Um, so it is a lifestyle. It can't just be a. It's not a nine to five job, is it? Do you know what I mean? And when you want, yeah. So, um, so you've got to be kind of that way inclined with it, anyway. I think, and all the guys are. You know, men and women, they all love being a military person whilst whilst they're in. Well, what was the best thing in the army then? Best thing, oh, just the crack and the laugh of it. I think having the was it like a brotherhood there? Yeah, massively. Yeah, one yeah. big family. Yeah, everyone always got on. You know, everyone looks after each other. Um, and even if you had people in the regiment that you weren't particularly keen on, it's one good thing about the army. It attracted everybody from all over the UK, um, you know, Scotland, Wales, all up and down of England. So, but because it's a lot of people in one place, you've got to get on. Now, at times, people still don't get on. They're not going to, you know, in, in any, any walk of life. You're not going to meet. You're not going to meet a hundred people like every single one of them. It's just facts. It's being a human, right? Um, so. But in the military, the nice thing about it was you'd get the ones you don't get on with fine, you know, it didn't matter, you just either put up a bit or didn't go near them or, you know, whatever. Um, but if you was ever downtown or anything like that and one of them was getting in a, getting in some trouble... You'd always defend each other. Yeah, everyone was all... Yeah, you always got looked after. You always you was always in, you know, and then, and then you, he would it'd be thrown back to camp and, and then he's not liked again. <laughs> Do you know, you know what, what I mean? It's, it's, it's comes down to... It's like one big team. You are at the end of the day, one big team. You're all yeah. there to defend each other, even if you hate each other. Like, it's like it comes down to family at the end of the day. Sometimes you might hate your brother. You yeah, hate him. Yeah, you hate him so much. But if you yeah, see yeah. him out in trouble, you're the first one to jump in and make sure they're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the army, obviously, there's difference there. You're li- pretty much together 24 7. You are. You're with them more than you're with your family. You do rely on each other. Whether you like each other or not, it doesn't matter. You do rely on each other. You want other. someone behind you. you yeah, trust. totally. Yeah. And, and everyone, you know, I never met anyone in the military who I felt wouldn't um, do the right thing if needed, if you know what I mean. How did you transfer over to like close protection? Um, so before I left the military, I went to, I did a right ward 2003. What was that like? Uh, for me, it was really good, yeah. I learned you enjoyed it? I enjoyed it, yeah, I did, yeah. Mad not man. Obviously not certain... <laughs> actual uh, madman. Not certain elements of it, obviously. You sit but, across me so calm and relaxed, um, but you're actually... <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I, for me, yeah. I, if you want to be a soldier, what do you want to do? The adrenaline was there. You want to go to war. If you if you're going to be a footballer and you don't ever get a game, how good? Yeah. Have, you know, that's true. Um, was you ever scared? Oh yeah, loads. Yeah, 
yeah. did that pump you? Is that what? Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's being scared is only an emotion. It's the same as laughing, same as crying. Um, it's just that being scared is an emotion that we don't tend to like. So how do you train your mind then, obviously? Because what you're saying, I've heard a lot. It's just an emotion. That's mm. it. How do you learn to control it? Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think a lot of it was um, you don't want to let anyone down. When something's happening, you don't want to let anyone down. Um, I learned very quickly that when you get to a stage when you're scared, uh, obviously you don't scare particularly easily because given the nature of the job, you're in the wrong job if you get scared easily. So when you get scared, it's normally quite bad. Something's going wrong. And and for me, I, I, I learned very quickly that it, once things are going wrong, it's nothing I can do about it than do something. You know, I, I can't... I can't just go at home and be in bed now. I can't wish I never took the job on. I can't wish I never joined the army because I did. Yeah, so that's what you chose to do. Yeah, and and I'm here now, and this is happening. So right, what can we do to see if we can make this into a better situation? And that's it. And if it doesn't work out, and you, you know, and it's gone wrong, then that's Tell it. Tell us one of the scenarios where you were scared. Uh, one well, that brings, so, brings back to was, it wasn't so much in the military. I remember one time. Um, so I was on a team in the army, um, I was in the Royal Signals, but I was on a team attached to another unit where we was going out uh, and we was looking after a couple of American diplomats um, and they were they were going around um, southern Iraq looking for weapons of mass destruction. Um, um, I say looking for, we was acting on informants that were telling us to go to this place and some chemical waste there and all this sort of thing, yeah. We're going out to all these places, there weren't a lot. But we found very little in fact but um, there was one time where the governor of Basra had just been taken hostage by a local militia um, and we was the closest people to that building to be able to help um, and uh, we had a box in the back of the car because we used to we didn't wear a uniform for that job we were uh, civilian clothes. clothing yeah um, so we had a box of all our kit and equipment in the back of the car and we didn't really show it sort of thing um, and the box come out and one of the lads on the team I was like the youngest on there I was only 23 years old I think um, they were all corporals and sergeants I was just a soldier and uh, they said oh we've got to get the box out of the back and I thought okay, what's, was that like? what's that what's happened then because <laughs> that don't come out normally do you know what I mean? um, so I've got it out and started up. getting out so what are we doing with it and no one really said at the time because it was all sort of being finalised whether we was going to go down and help or not um, and then they said, "Oh, we've got it." And told me, and I, was, and I remember thinking, "I just, I just went, oh, okay, that's fine, no problem. Yeah, I'll get all the, I'll get all the kit out." And I turned around, and I thought, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Did you go in? Yeah, I mean, the, the the first I remember, I had to have a little word with myself very quickly, and it didn't last long. It was like you know, ten seconds, and I thought, right, you you can't not do this now because I didn't want to. You know, your your first instinct is I don't I don't really want to get involved in this. Um but I thought This is your last drama, you deal with it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like you know, but I thought you you're an idiot, you know, you've all your life and I thought I don't know why, but I thought right back to when I was a child and I used to run around the garden with a plastic gun or whatever. I thought all the time I was in the cadets when I'd be on a exercise and actually sometimes I used to wonder, I wonder what it'd really be like if we was yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and um all the time I dreamt about being in the army, being on operation somewhere and doing it for real. And I thought the day you get the, your first sort of proper job if you, you like you're gonna go, Oh I don't want to do it. So it's just thought get on with it and what will be will be. And I used that attitude with those situations um many years after when I was a bodyguard in the Middle East. Um I used that quite a lot, and just, just you just start to realise what you're capable of, and there was a bit of luck in there as well. You know, there's an element of. Um, Do you believe in luck in that game? It is a small amount, not as much as what people think. They say they're lucky, but not quite often. Um, you can make good and bad choices as well. Yeah, you can make good and bad choices as well, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I think to say anyone who's alive um, and anyone who's dead is lucky or unlucky, not necessarily, you know. Especially in your game, you can't rely on luck. Well, you're obviously when you're protecting these celebs and stuff, you can't rely on luck. No, when you never, as a bodyguard, no chance, no. I mean, look, if you get a bit of luck thrown in there, then great. Sweet. But if you don't, then you need to make sure whatever you're doing is still, you know, sorting the problem out, really. So, Iraq War. Yeah. What was it like, really? What was it like? Uh, well, I only did the end, so I was, I did the end of the start, the the start of the um, 
rebuilding phase. Okay. Like the, what was meant to be the Iraqi reconstruction phase. So that that was good. Um, but I started getting a lot of trouble halfway you through. You started getting? Yeah, the, the army did, you know, because okay. we thought we thought we was just going to go in there, I think. We did the war. It, the war wasn't that much of a war, really. Um, and then we thought we was just going to get on with rebuilding the country and, you know, giving what the people wanted back to the country. And uh, obviously, you know, there was a lot of retaliation there and didn't want us in the country. And actually some of the operations after, some some of the years after that with the army, you know, it got a lot more casualties and people killed than they did in the war for phase. Yeah, and it got out of hand most y- of the time. Y- yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of the time it did. So um, to start with, it was peaceful and quiet, but, but not for long, really. I'm reckoning about a month. And then it started to just escalate and escalate and escalate. Really. How long was you there for? A oh, six-month tour you do with the British Army. That's yeah. a long time having your life on the line for six months, really. Well, I did when I finished. When I finished that, I left. I, I left the military because I was offered a job by a private security company, which was working in Iraq. So when I left the army, I was. I was. Um, I'd only been out about a month, and I'd gone back to Iraq. I was living in Iraq for another three years after that. As a, so that was the private security for a private security company. Yeah. And how old was you at this point? Uh, I just turned. I was twenty-four, not not far. From, I think I was about twenty-four when I first started private security. Why do you reckon they picked you? Um, I don't know. To be honest, you got you got to be a little bit cocky with it. Listen, you you've done well. You've done very well for yourself. I I I had so I I wanted to I wanted to work for the company at the time. They offered me a job. I was still in the military. They said we can't. We didn't realise, and when they found out, they said, "Look, we can't offer you a job because you're still in the military." So that's fine. But I'm going to have to wait a bit longer till I'm sort of clear, totally clear of it. Um, and then when I went for the interview, there was a guy there who was interviewing as an ex-army officer um, who happened to know my boss when I worked in Iraq. Um, they'd served together in the army, um, and he said, "Oh, I know this guy." He says, "You know, blah blah blah." He said, "Do you mind if I call him and ask him about what you've been up to and everything else?" Yeah. Um, long story short, within two days, I think I got an email saying, "You know, you got a job. When can you fly out?" So he obviously done me a good CV. And you wanted to go back out there again? Did yeah. You know, did you know how long you was going for? No. Well, the rotation was nine weeks on, three weeks off at the time. But how many years I was going to do, I don't know. Yeah. What's the, the pay time. like? Great, that's why I went. It is better because obviously <laughs> yeah. the, the army is it's not the best. I think five times the salary I wasn't for what real. I was in, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so you yeah, was like, yeah. yeah, wherever you want me, I'm going. Yeah, literally at that age as well. You're young. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's one of the main. What's the difference between it? being in the army and being in private private security? Um, right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of differences. I mean, for in the military, you know, essentially you're you're an attacking force. Private security, not you. Only way to defend yourself and the people you might be looking after. Or, Who was you looking or, after? Uh, I, I worked for an American company, um, for American oil workers down in, in the southern Iraq. But when I, after that, I went on to uh, a Japanese. We did a job for the Japanese government um, up in, up north of the country, which was looking after kit and equipment for bringing in supplies. And um, we bought some uh, electric electrical generators in and um, to give power, start giving power back to the country and. That job was rough. We used to get hit a lot on that job. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, talk us through a little bit of it. Um, well, because it's kit and equipment and articulated lorries, you could only come in on the main supply routes because of the size of the vehicles you're bringing in. Quite often in those countries, if it's if it's a rough period of time, sometimes they put a no move to western westerners because it's too dangerous to move. But because we we had to, if the kit and equipment come across the border and we wasn't there, um, then it gets it gets nicked. So we always had to go out, regardless of whatever was going on in town or in the surrounding areas. Um, and also the speeds we had to run all the time. You know, there's always roadside bombs. Lots of guys got killed on that job. Was that bad? Yeah, yeah. Over, yeah. If we went across all the convoy teams that were working for the company at the time in Iraq, yeah. Um, 2006 was probably one of the worst years. Um, and that never, you never got fear from that? Seeing some people you knew, obviously. Yeah, but but you got to remember by then as well... I'd, Done all the, the military service out there. I'd already done two other, two further. You know, it's my third year out there by then when I was doing that job. So you're pretty much. So you kind of get it, used to it a little bit. Yeah, close to being used to it. Did you um, enjoy it? I learned a lot. I learned a lot on that. Um, yeah, I mean, not all of it on that one because obviously, you know, but um, majority of it. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than enough to stay there. What was it like back home with your family while you was out doing all this? Were they ever worried for you? Um, Probably, I never used to talk about that much. 
I remember when I first went to <laughs> when I first went to Baghdad, told my mum I was working in Kuwait, <laughs> and um, we got rocketed. I was on the 18th floor in the Palestine Hotel in Baghdad, and uh, we used to eat up there, and um, we got rocketed, and they hit, they slammed into the side of the, the lift shaft of the 12th floor, and caught on fire. But the, the, the Sheraton and Palestine hotels in Baghdad at the time were full of all the, the uh, Western news crews from all over Europe and all over the world. And um, so obviously anything that got hit there got reported on instantly. And uh, I think it's CNN put it up and I got caught walking out the lobby of the hotel while it was on fire in my shorts and t-shirt with my AK-47 <laughs> and my mum had seen it. And she saw <laughs> she knew it straight away. Yeah. Oh my God. So I got rumbled. <laughs> but listen, you enjoyed it and it's stuff that you obviously, you wanted to do so you had no option even if you were scared it was shut up Simon, you got beer, you chose to be here, let's get to work. Yeah. Why did you switch over to Close protection for the rich and famous. So when I well when I when I finished in the war, I went to Afghanistan for two years after that. Oh, you've really done a lot there. Um, <laughs> you've really done a lot. There's me trying to dive into one part of it, but you you got plenty more. Um, for Fon Commonwealth Office, I've bodyguard for the British government for the um, HMRC, um, British HMRC officers, which were working they definitely out definitely need there. security, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. HMRC, what people don't realise is HMRC we all think tax on their money and everything else, which it is that, obviously, but it's also HMRC runs all the borders of the UK. So when you yeah. go through customs and all that, that's all HMRC as well. Not the security guys, but the ones who want to look in your bag and stuff. Of course, see how much money you're bringing in. Yeah, all that in. stuff. Yeah, so we was we was mentoring the Afghan drugs police out in in Afghanistan, and that's why they would come they come out, and we were looking after them. Um, so that was kind of more close protection because of. Did you enjoy people. that more than being in the out on the field? Um, well, we was out. We used to have an aircraft. We used to drive on the back of the aircraft and fly up and down the country, going to all the airports, all the uh, city gate checkpoints yeah, where yeah. vehicles come in. Um, so it was, it was an active job, um, dangerous job, but two very different jobs. I enjoyed all of that, all that time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we've spoke about things you hate off job anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so then after that, that was when I just thought, I don't really want to be working away anymore. I think I was 28 years old. All the early part of my life, you know, adult sort of life, I hadn't really experienced what normal people experience. Missed it all. Yeah. Um, so I thought it's time to go home. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, had a little bit of money in the bank. I bought a house when I was 26. So I had that. Um, secured. Secured, yeah. So I, I had money. But in terms of sp- spending money to come home and try and find another job, you know, I didn't have an education. And it's different for someone with your line of skill to find a job. You can't go and well, do a normal working in the nine to five yeah I'd, I'd never I'd, exactly and I didn't know what I wanted to do neither I'd always done that line of work and that's what I always enjoyed and I you know I always thought I was good at doing that um I wasn't good at other things so <laughs> what was you not good at yeah most things you know just normal <laughs> I'd have been a crap plumber I'd have been a crap carpenter yeah. you know yeah. I, I I I worked in an engineering factory very briefly when I was younger and I was useless at it you know because it just wasn't my thing um you know I've kind of found something with the security and the other thing but I'd I think because I enjoyed it so much. When you enjoy something, you're normally quite good at it, aren't you? 100%. So. You make it your passion to, right. do, to be well at it as well. It's different. Right. So, um, what did you do when you come home? Um, so, I got, I, I got, I had, I had a few options I had. I had, um, uh, I wanted to be, I was, I was looking, being a PT in the prison service, that was all changing. And I spoke to a number of people in it, and I just thought, I don't think you think that's really going to be for me. Um, uh, Sussex Police sort of collared me and offered me, um, uh, a few meetings and bits and pieces for this potentially join the um, anti-terrorist in Gatwick um, which actually weren't a bad little thing never really saw myself as a police officer I've got to be honest but um, I thought due to the nature of the job you know anti-terrorist rather than normal police normal man. yeah I thought it could be interesting um, it's firearms as well which obviously you know, I was well adverse with that by that stage which was what he was keen on having yeah. me across for um, went in the money was awful. Was that bad? Yeah, it sort of put me off, put me off it. And I got a call from someone who said, um, "Can you come and do a summer with the Dubai Wall family?" Um, and that's what I did, and I did that for two years. That job. What was the pay like? We all know Dubai pay good. Yeah, it's a lot better. It was only in London as well, so I didn't have, I didn't have to go to Dubai. But it's it was um, 
it, it, it's how I've ended up living in London today. But yeah, it was. You tried in, to swerve that one. How much you get paid? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Do, do, <laughs> do you know what? I can't. I honestly can't remember. It wasn't as good as being when I was working away though. But it was a bit safer. In the private security industry as well, the money was really good to start with. But um, but it started coming down. Really? Yeah, it started coming down. So that's when I come home. So but when I come home, the money in London probably was just a little bit less than what it was when I was away. But you're a lot safer and you know you, you're at home. And when you obviously was dealing with the Dubai guys, what were they like? Yeah, fine. I didn't have much dealing with them. The guy we used to have to be there for didn't really come in much. So I got I used to do ten days on, ten nights on. Sorry, that's a lie. Five on, five off. Uh, and what would your day consist of? N- nothing. Oh, seriously? Just waiting. He had a phone, just waiting to see. If they come in, we'd have to shoot down to the residence and meet them and do whatever they were doing. But I, just, I don't really. I think one summer, I'm not sure. I did more than one day. For real? Yeah. Well, you can't go like in. It. You can't go anywhere and do anything. You, know, you can't be drinking. You can't be doing this and all that when you're on shift. But just sat there waiting to go. Really. That's the that's the most boring thing, especially for yeah. someone with you with the adrenaline. You love that. I know, yeah. The buzz. I want to be out there. I want to be involved. I, I, I thought I had the right result to start with, and then you soon realise that you know this isn't what I'm going to get out. At least even if they come in for a week a month or something you know when they won't come but um i did that for two years and then after i started my own company private security company um and i left all that um and that's when apart from michael jackson which was quite a lot before i did the michael jackson job uh when i was on leave from afghanistan i did jackson and went back to afghanistan what was that like um can't miss that part out (laughs) busy you met him yeah yeah oh yeah yeah what was he like as a person he was all right he was all right quite uh, a quiet, subdued man, I would say. How many have you worked for him? Five. There's five on the job. Yeah. All friends of yours? No, no, it was all mixed. Didn't know anyone. Any incidents? Um, it's always incidents with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not, nothing particularly bad. But his his crowd, you know, it's always crowds with him all the time. We had six or seven black cabs, um, which were permanently on a meter for fans that were paying to be on a meter all day. Just so, if when we drive off, they can jump in. You know, they got a car basically to follow us all the time. Um, no way. People were booking suites in the hotel because we shut the hotel down. Um, but if you're a hotel guest, obviously you're allowed in and out. Yeah. When that was it, um, so people were buying rooms in the hotel. We was in the Hempel in Bayswater. I think it might be closed now. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, you know, God knows how much money a night these rooms were. And people, you know, young young kids were paying to stay in him for a week just so they could be in the lobby when he come down. And it's a very busy job. He is probably the most famous man in the world, though. Oh, he's got to be, yeah. I even don't know if anyone now, to be... Now he's dead. He's, yeah, he's, I don't know if anyone to be ever have that fame again. That name, to be Michael Jackson, is the biggest name in the world. Yeah. Don't want to touch him, I don't think. I, me personally, I don't think so anyway. And you had the honour of being a security guard. What was was there certain like weird things he wanted? He always wanted this in his room. Was there anything that like you as a security team had to always make sure? Um, not massively because we didn't move him around that much. Because you only really went if we had a, we went to Guinness Book of Records because um, he got an award for something. I can't remember what it's for now. Uh, we went to World Music Awards where we got an award there as well. Uh, we went out for a couple of meals. Um, but it's all very controlled, you know. You can't just sort of go, oh, actually, I'm going to pop down Selfridges and do a bit of a shop or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So, was you going away with him as well? Uh, no, no, I only did that. I only did that visit because I was going back to Afghanistan after after that had finished. I think I had another four or five days off or something like that, maybe. And then weirdest thing with Michael Jackson, weirdest or, or most or best? Not really. I know we took a quite a little bit. It's marginally funny. We took the children, his children, to see Mary Poppins. Um, and I thought we'd just be taking the children because it's just easier to enjoy the show sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and he come with us, and uh, they took him in with the when the lights were down and the show had started. And I remember I had to sit on one of the chairs at the end of the row he was in. We had security and the other security with him in the middle. Um, but no one saw us come in. Uh, and I remember just sitting there thinking, which is all very well, isn't it? But if we <clears throat> we got to go out before the interval. Otherwise, this was, you know, so the lights come on. We were still sitting there. <laughs> Even the actors on the stage, like, jaws the lights stopped. <laughs> what they were doing, going, that's Michael Jackson. <laughs> so, um, 
that was interesting. And you so we, obviously stood out as well. There's probably five lumps there. Yeah, well, we we ended up <laughs> taking him out, obviously, after that. Uh, and we couldn't go back in for the second half. We just had to leave it and go. <laughs> <laughs> and then you started your business. And I started my business, yeah. I uh, started with one five-star hotel on Park Lane um, in 20... I think it's 2010, something like that, roughly. Um, and uh, just growing it ever since then, really. And how does it work with your... What, what does your company do? So we do um, we do everything. So bodyguards, obviously, um, surveillance, close uh, sorry, close protection, uh, asset protection. We do a lot of five star hotels. We don't do pubs and clubs or anything like that. But we do a lot of five star hotels, theatres, West End. Um, what else? We got event like private events, so yeah. uh, celebrity weddings and stuff like that. We've got some quite um, high net worth event companies that we work for. Um, so we kind of cover everything really. Who's the most famous celebrity you've worked for, apart from Michael Jackson? Ah, uh, so I would p- p- Kendall Jenner. Oh, really? Um, Have you got a number? If you don't mind, yeah. Do you want to yeah, just swing yeah. <laughs> make a fortune on that? Yeah. Um, and Bella and Gigi Hadid, the sisters. Okay. Um, they're all kind of the same sort of level of fame, really. What's it like dealing with? Because they're famous. It, of course, Michael Jackson is, but they're yeah. stars, especially with yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're super A-list, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. They're not the only little, like, the only Ray's Essex kind of people. Yeah. What is it like working for them? I had a good time with them, because um, they were obviously models, so we did a lot of fashion shows and things like that. I had a good time with them, yeah. They treated me really well, they did, so. What's I pay for, like, a day with them, roughly? Uh, I can't remember now, but it was 250 300 quid or something like that. That's not bad. Yeah. Something like, like that, something like that. Just me. So the only only job I've ever had been with anyone else um, was Michael Jackson. Everyone else I've looked after, apart from working in the Middle East now, obviously, but I've been on my own, yeah. What's, yeah. It, what's it like knowing the pressure's all on you? You're trying to think about it, yeah. Do you ever get worried? You can get a bit anxious sometimes. Had any incidents that you've had to deal with? Um, again, you just work, think, fingers with those people as well. You've always got paps following you around and that. So if you do anything wrong, put a foot out of place and they, they can't wait to get a little bit of a story sort of thing. Um, you're gonna, you've got extra security there. Maybe the security supervisor might come down for the whole time that you're there. You know, all these extra bits. Um, they also give you access to, um, yeah, different entrances and exits, yeah. personal shopping entrance uh, areas that maybe you can't get unless you're a member to something. You know, all these different entrances. sort of yeah. green room type areas you can go into to keep, you know, out, out, out of the way. Um, so you set all that up and then you go, yeah, let's go and hope for the best. <laughs> What's been the craziest experience with one of the A-list celebs that you've experienced? Um, craziest one was Michael Jackson. Really, just apart from him, met, obviously. Met people, apart He's from just him. a bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The ones, ones with Bella, uh, Bella and, and Kendall um, didn't really have anything crazy, but it was always a, just a bit more stressful because I was on my own. Because yeah. you still had all the crowds, and uh, and how how many people can I fend off? Do you know what I mean? It's How did you get them as clients? Because they're big names. Um Jackson come from uh, a friend of a friend who called me and said we do this job. Um, the but it all come you get booked. It's like loads of ways you can get booked. You can get booked through other security companies. You can get booked through the model agency. You can get booked through a production company if it's an actor you're looking after. You could be, uh, get booked through a record label if it's a musical artist. So or you might get booked by their manager, PA, or them personally. You, it just depends. Most of them have their own security with them at all times, no? Uh, yeah. So um, not you'd be surprised how many don't. Oh really? Yeah. So like the models, quite often they have the, they have the same security person. Because if I was country. super famous, I'd want the same guy. So I build trust with him. I know he's yeah costs money. Yeah. So a lot of them don't have security all the time. You see. True. Um, so someone like Beyonce, yeah, you're going to have it tw- around the clock. Money's you have the same problem, team. Yeah. They do everything with you. But even then, in the UK, because we're licensed, um, Americans aren't licensed, so officially they're not allowed to work in this country. Really? Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be licensed to work here. So unless they unless they hold the license and they are obviously but Yeah, but uh, license to do what? Security license, uh, SIA license. Yeah, but if I've got my friends protecting me, mm. what can you do that they can't do? Um well, what pref- does your license allow you to do? Yeah, so it allows me to fend off people. I can get more physical. Whereas yeah. if you if you get physical as a civilian You've only got to touch someone; it can be assault. So, what are you allowed to do? Very little, <laughs> very little, but more than you. Do you're you know allowed I mean? to just remove them from the system. Yeah, yeah, to be able to remove people. Yeah, it just shows that you are a trained professional security 
person and you're not just someone who's good at banging people out or whatever yeah yeah must be must be annoying as well though um must be knowing that whatever you do you can get in trouble for because at the end of the day you know you're a professional you know you're not going to go in there and start banging random strangers out your job is to look after your client and your client's your priority if you get uh, three geezers come to you have to use more force you can't just sit there and be like oh move out of the way sorry can't yeah I mean at times like that you know if there's a knife or a gun involved um, obviously you can escalate what you're about to do because if it you know when it's a threat to life then you know if you if you chin someone and you knock them out but you had a gun and he's going to shoot you that would be quite you know <laughs> it's reasonable it, probably be accepted well done do you know what I mean although you're not still not going to do that really but if that was to happen you could see, you could see why someone maybe have done that um, if someone's just tapped you on the shoulder a bit overzealous and you banged him out, <laughs> it's a little bit different. You see what I mean, so there's a fine line with all of it um, as as to why um, and what you can do. You know, do you still deal with these clients when they come over? No, no, I don't have anything to do with anything like that anymore. Now. So, what if they phone you as personally request? We want you to come. Um, someone asked me that the other day. Um, Obviously, I'm sorry, I'm busy. What's your price? <laughs> um, to, I mean, because realistically, listen, let's cut the bullshit. Everyone has a price. Yeah, if there's a price, yeah. So but if I phoned you up and said, the, "We want you here," what would be your price? My price would be a lot of money. To the extent it'd be stupid to just go to such, just have someone else. How do much? I mean? Tell us. Uh, what for a day? A day, a day with some a superstar, a list celeb. I want to. Sp- I want you with me for the day. Um, for the day, I'd want realistically two, two and a half, three grand. Yeah, there's people who can afford it. Yeah, yeah, there is. But I'm no better than a lot of other people. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, give someone this, you know. But you know what? Sometimes it's a lot different when people have a relationship with someone and they trust you as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how much the price is. The only time I would ever do something is if someone was going somewhere and they could only go... I mean, it's a hyp- hypothetical you know, yeah, thing, yeah. really, but they could only go with me. And if, if I didn't go, it means they couldn't go. Would I go? Probably, because I wouldn't want to see someone can't do something just because of me. But, I mean, realistically, that's never going to happen, do you know what I mean? They can always go with someone Of course, else. there's always someone who can go, isn't there, yeah. Is there anything that you've been put in uncomfortable situations regarding close protection? Not the war, obviously. Yeah, that's yeah. different. Um, not really. Um, just so fans always the biggest one. The thing is, it must all, everything compared to the military is easy. Well, that's the thing. I had a good benchmark. I started in the worst job, in the worst place, firearms, bombs, death, you know, to a, working in London. Having a 15-year-old kid come up to you and... <laughs> yeah, too many fans in the yeah. way, or, you know. So, yeah, everything. I, I used to judge it, and I still do today. I used to judge everything by... When I worked out a way, is is this going to kill me? Sometimes the answer might be it could do, or, or yes, you know. <laughs> could do. Um, so now I think that, is this going to kill me? You know, um, when we talk about the acting, I use that a lot now. Is this going to kill me? If, you, if you're not sure you want to do something, you're a bit embarrassed or it's a bit, ooh, you know. Um, nothing's, if it's not going to kill me, I'll have a go at it. And it don't, you know, I'm not that, not bothered of it. It doesn't mean I'm not scared of it neither. Sometimes I still get a bit scared of still doing things, but I still do it. I, you know, I could punch for that scared thing. When you, it's not, taking, you know, your life being taken is is the ultimate thing, yeah. really. Um, and if that's so, if that's not it, then anything else I can do. Or oh, severely hurt, loss of eyesight, losing limbs. No, you don't want that neither. But do you know what I mean? Generally, definitely. Is that a you? Is that a you? Army soldiers look at stuff. Oh, you lost a limb. Well, but you know, but genuine, gen, genuinely, generally, if you're talking about being embarrassed, maybe getting bashed up slightly, you know, pushed around a bit, maybe getting cold, wet, uncomfortable. Um, That's what you signed up for, isn't it? The whole thing is just you know, long days, not a lot of sleep, all that stuff. Um, it. it you can get over that. It's not going to kill you. This video is sponsored by Cranbrook Law, an award-winning immigration law firm. Their talented solicitors can help when any struggles arise regarding immigration law. They can help get you the visas they need. They can help get you the staff you need from any other countries. As you can see, the website is on the screen right now. So if you need anything to do with immigration law, message Cranbrook Law and let them help you. Whether you're looking to obtain a sponsor license, receive advice and guidance in relation to compliance and our civil penalties, or take advantage of our know-how and experience across a broad range of business visas, our talented and dynamic immigration lawyers are available to speak to you. Telephone numbers on the screen, emails on the screen, and hit the link in the bio if you need any help no, definitely not definitely 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 not was you happy when you started your own business yeah never really really realized um sort of how long i was going to have it for and what i was going to do with it i never realized that the people i was going to be looking after neither to be honest what's your company called um ascari secure ascari yeah where's the name from 
so Ascari is a Swahili for a sort of kind of like bodyguard soldier. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean that steam today. It's just, just it does itself. You know, it's just it's, we, all our all our works word of mouth really. Do you have big clients still today? Yeah, we've got not just in terms of celebrities, but we've got um, rich. Yeah, we've got yeah we've got um, high net worth individuals. We also contracts with people like Hilton and and uh, Intercontinental Four Seasons, people like that as well. Um, yeah. Why don't you go back out and do it yourself? Uh, growing out of it. You don't enjoy it? Nah, don't enjoy it. So what's your day consist of now? Um, I still got in the office, so I'm still responsible for for security, uh, the security company. Um, clothing brand I also own as well, Simon Newton London. Um, Thanks for the, the the gift. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, gym office. So I've got another office for the clothing. Yeah. So sometimes that office. What do you um, enjoy more now, the security or the clothing? I like business. And what made you want to start a clothing line? Um, so years ago when I was working for Bella, I used to get commented all the time in Vogue. I think they put a, an article, Vogue put an article up saying um, Bella Hadid's bodyguard is a real style star of London Fashion Week. Um, and I had lots of other people covering me over t- t- the coming months after that uh, when I was with Bella for what I was wearing and stuff. And one of the things I used to wear was a bomber jacket. Um, and I just thought, oh, I guess I'll make my own one day. You know, <laughs> pushing someone else's brand out there um, I was going to make my own and it wasn't until sort of, uh, I was going to do it before Covid actually but Covid obviously shut everything down so um, I picked it up straight after Covid and we've just, just sent it, started uh, doing these but if you send us a link as well we'll throw it in the bottom yeah, if anyone's interested in getting one they're more than yeah. happy to yeah there's a whole range of stuff going to be coming out um, but it's not just going to be jackets but yeah it's, it's, it's new but it's good it's doing well so you enjoy that that's your passion Businesses. Now. So my my position with the security company is a business position now. So I enjoy that now because I'm only dealing with new work, tendering contracts, yeah. you know, whatever. So I, I enjoy that. Yeah. So both of them I enjoy actually because I, I it, it, sort of like development, business development side of both of them. That's all I deal with. Although I did design this myself, to be fair. But um, yeah, the colours and materials and everything, it's all my, my thing. But Question for you. Yeah. Are you married? No. Kids? Yeah, no, no. No kids? Just a, just a girlfriend, yeah, that's it. The reason I was asking was because the line of work you're in, especially when working in Iraq, dealing with these big, big, dangerous people, sometimes they want to take you out and do things that upset you, but luckily, for once it's lucky, you haven't got kids, and especially then, back then you weren't, you didn't have kids in that time. Yeah, I, I did, and some of the lads did. Some of the guys were married with children, and that, older than me, and everything else, but... I don't know, looking back now, I don't know if I'd have been able to do that if I had missing a family. Home, missing the family. Not the way I used to do it, you know what I mean? I, I don't know if I... A bit reckless? A little bit, yeah. When I look back, <laughs> at the time I didn't think that, but when I look back at it, yeah, there's a few things there you think are probably a little bit silly, but... But at the end of the day, it's what you enjoy. That's what you enjoy. Yeah, 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 it is. And, that, and that, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's my my life's changed dramatically now from that obviously um, acting you know that's one of my biggest things at the moment outside of the two businesses what movies you've been involved in uh, I worked so, so the first movie I did was in 2010 when I was still, still a bodyguard um, and I got asked to go out to Morocco and do a film with Matt Damon called Green Zone um, I watched it. yeah Green, Green Zone thriller um, it was about um, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq actually um, so I worked on that. I played a US Special Forces soldier, and I really enjoyed it. So I knew that I was going to pursue, Acting. or I wanted to pursue film work. Yeah, late, later on because I couldn't do it then because I was still a working bodyguard. That's one of the reasons why I've left the industry now as well. You know, I've done like um, thirty podcasts. I've been over sixty publications. I've been on UK TV, US TV, Australian TV. I couldn't really longer work as a bodyguard anymore because if you start becoming more and more known. Um, it's all right when you're a celebrity, it doesn't matter, because they're always going to be more famous than I'm going to ever be. Yeah. But um, if you're working with someone who's, who's not in the public light... And you're the one getting you, the crowd. Right, it's not it's not a good move. So that's why I decided, another reason why I decided to... I wanted to leave that so I could pursue the acting career um, a lot more. But after the Green Zone, I went on to um, uh, Sherlock Holmes, okay. uh, Robbie Downey Jr. and Jude Law. 
I did a part bit bit on that at the time. I've got another bit out. At the time, I was working away on oil tankers as well, doing anti piracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, taking them down, um, sort of like from Oman to Egypt. I watched them videos. Yeah, they're good videos. Yeah, you yeah. see that goes on there. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, they're I did nuts. I, I did that on and off for about a year and a half. We used to do ten day trips at a time. Um, the pirates coming mad. Yeah, they come in in the skiffs and just yeah, just try and take take the bridge out. Did you have anything mad happen during that? Uh, not massively. The first couple, the first two I did were unarmed, so it was just four of us on there. So what were you meant to do? Uh, exactly, very little. But we did have uh, <laughs> one of the trips. We had um, two Japanese warships that escorted us. Um, that pretty much the whole route. The, the, the flag state of the of the vessel we was on was a Japanese government vessel, so they they escorted us. Um, and then after that, I was armed, and the ones I'd done. What were you meant, really meant to do unarmed? Like, seriously? What yeah, for years I was doing it unarmed until it started getting sort of worse and worse and worse, and then they finally got it sort of wolferized. Some companies have had weapons, but very few. And then in the end, everyone had weapons. Everyone's got it now. Yeah. I've seen videos on TikTok, literally. Yeah. Yeah, everyone had weapons in the end. So I did that. I wasn't particularly good at sea. I enjoyed the job. It was different because I wanted to tick the box doing it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't have done years and years at sea, I don't think. It wasn't my thing. What's left? What boxes are left for you to tick? Um, so I did. I finished acting school over COVID. Um, what was that like? Different for you? Completely different to yeah, what you normally involved in? Yeah, of course. Yeah, massively different. Yeah. And and the thing was, I did a master class in screen acting, so I got a diploma in screen acting. But the the course wasn't particularly a beginner's course as such. A lot of people were from theatre already, um, or other screen actors who yeah. just wanted to go along and sort of. Learn more. learn more yeah because I, 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 was, I was at acting school again a few, only a few weeks ago you you never as an actor you're never really um, you're never really done do you know what I mean isn't being an actor just easy <sighs> like really well, like, as mad as it sounds isn't it just like what's a, the hardest part of it like, that, to me it'd be scripts yeah, exactly, and and it is that probably is the hardest part. But it all depends on what you're doing and what you're playing. But it's a, it's so much to think about. Um, I've just done finished uh, fight school to, for screen fighting. Oh, really? Basically, What's that like? yeah, um, it's good fun, but with that, you got um, it's like dancing almost. Really, you got to remember a routine. You got to make sure you don't hit the guy. You got to remember your dialogue as well. So I'd only as an actor, yeah. I'm only ever used to learning learning my dialogue and and acting my dialogue. Which when I think of that now, it's quite easy. You try doing that and remembering a routine for fighting, so it does get difficult. And the thing is, with with fighting, like you said, I can only imagine it's probably a lot harder to do that than to actually have a fight. Yeah, because yeah, you're, yeah, if you're yeah. straining your body, you're probably it's literally like a dance routine. Like yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And you got to go. You you got to go 110 percent when you're doing it. When you're throwing punches and doing things, because if you don't, it doesn't look real. Yeah. So you know you can't get your wallop if you have a guy moves <laughs> the wrong way, and that is part and parcel. But generally, um, there's a big emphasis on not being hurt as well, because when you're on set, you know you can't. Ooh, if, 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 yeah, is exactly, that you can't have that, you know, and and you need to be able to do quite often. You need to do a scene five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah. So if you've done a cracking punch and it looked really good, but it hurt a bit, once it's fine. You can't do that eight times. <laughs> yeah, it's you know true. I mean? When you think of it like that, yeah, yeah it's true. So it's a lot. And I'm knocking the geezer clean exactly. out by the end of it. Yeah, you've had enough of it. So <laughs> he's got to uh, walk off set. Fuck this geezer, man. He's a prick. It's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about in acting. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. I've got quite a bit coming up next year. Just missed out a little bit because the actors have been big actors strike on in the states. It had a bit of a knock on effect in this they country. Had a strike. They had a strike here, yeah, just for? about pay and the use of AI. Oh, um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, they yeah, started yeah, using yeah, a bit yeah. of AI for background, I think. And AI pe- is yeah. AI is, is that's a whole conversation for another. Yeah, day. I know. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a podcast on its own because yeah. that is that's taking over the world. Yeah, like even in, in what I do, like. Everything, even down to thumbnails, like the little pictures we use. Uh, you can even have AI edit your podcast for you now. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Even in the fashion world and stuff with the modeling and stuff, amount of AI models now for clothing, it's cheaper. It's mad, but it's nothing's better than a real. But give it five years, it's going to be better than humans. Yeah. Like now, even now, I still have an editor who does my stuff for me, and he. We've spoken about using the pod AI thing, but. It don't get the when I laugh, you laugh. It's that little transition that that catches it and it looks good in camera. Whereas AI don't pick that up. Yeah, right. Give it a year. Yeah, it will. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. It, I, I, AI is a bigger threat to this world and global warming 
Of yeah, course, massively, massively. Everyone will be bigger. out of a job. Yeah, we're not gonna have nothing left to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think people really understand. Some, some know exactly what's going on with that. But I, I can ask good questions. I can. I can hold a conversation well. But when I got a robot doing better than me, yeah. But even you think in film work, acting. If you get an AI actor, he can't make a mistake. He can't make a mistake. He's not gonna you get it hurt. Once. It doesn't cost any money. He's not gonna. He, he can jump off a building, do a double backflip, fly around the thing twice, and come down without having to set anything up. He, he's mean? only need to do the script once as well. Right. Time instead of yeah. it taking six months to yeah, film yeah, a movie, it will be delivered correctly in the first go. Yeah. It will be take a month to have it delivered yeah. correctly. It's, that, it is. There's lots of if you think about it. Uh, I mean, essentially. In, in the long run, and people might struggle to Except sort of get their head around it. Yeah, but someone could walk in here now and you wouldn't know if there were a difference between an AI robot or a person. And people <sighs> think, do you know what? But I'll tell you what, it's not as far away as what people but think. that's when now. it gets a bit scary. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because like, there's loads of things out there in the world and we're not going to dive into it, but people say that that person's died and that's an AI body that's taken them over yeah. and stuff like that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Do, do a robbery. Was yeah. It, is it, is it, yeah, 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 yeah. Your AI model spitting image of you. Was How are you going to prove it? Was it him? Yeah. <laughs> but listen, that's a conversation. We can have that another yeah, day. Yeah. We can have that another day, but it's, it is madness. It is madness. You're involved in the acting industry. I never thought acting would be taken over by the AI. That's the truth. But yeah. listen, it clearly is. Yeah. What movies you got coming up? Uh, so next year I've got two, possibly two, with an independent film, a UK independent film company. I can't say what they are yet because okay. we haven't started started doing them. Um, but a couple of good ones. Obviously I'm typecast, so you know, um, football hooligan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know soldier, police officer, prison inmate, or whatever. You know, so it's going to be that type of film. Let's put it like that. Um, and then hopefully I've got something in the states next year, which I had, but um, I so I had something nice before COVID. And we lost it because of COVID. And then obviously now the actors' strikes held us up again. But now, hopefully next year, I'm hoping to get out to LA to do a little bit out there as Once well. Once you're out there, they always say America's different. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to... I don't do too bad in the UK already, but I haven't really exploited LA enough. Um, and I've got some good contacts out there. So next year, um, there's a small team of us who are going to be going out there, I think, um, just to do some podcasts for one, but also... Um, uh, yeah, but do you enjoy doing podcasts? Um, I don't mind it. I mean, I've done a lot, so I think for me it's boring, isn't it? Yeah, fair enough. Because it's my life, so I know it. You know. Yeah, no. To be fair with me, to be fair with you, I've filmed over a hundred episodes now. If they all had to be about me, I'd fucking I'd yeah. You do. I mean, I've done. Like I said I've done three this week, so I mean. Yeah, you've I'm told this story talking, yeah. times. What I do like is though, people do ask different questions, not all the time. Yeah, I always say as well, because guests come on and they're like, but Mikey, I've done X amount of podcasts, you sure you want me on? I'm like, listen, I can ask you questions they might not have asked you. The way we interact might be completely different to the way you was with Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and I, I, one thing I do like about it, which I never thought of before I started doing it, is um, when people do enjoy listening yeah. Or I've had a few comments and stuff on Instagram and places like that where people have said, oh, I listened to your podcast and it made me go and do this. Or it made me go and do that. And I think, do you know what? It's worth going out that day just to, if it did that. Do you know what I mean? So, so I get, I got saw a comment the other day. It popped up on my thing. And I never read my comments. I said to myself from day one, I don't care yeah, enough I don't to read, read it. So I read, like, yeah. My editor phoned me up and was like, oh, Mikey, they said you look fat. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah. I read a few comments the other day because I have a YouTube coach and he was like, Mikey, interact sometimes. Like, Say, oh, I saw your comment about this, this, this. Do it. And I was like, all right, whatever. Read him through and Instagram's, uh, YouTube's a rude place. Yeah. They're just rude. Yeah. Like, yeah. who sits there at home and actually writes rude comments? I know, I know, I know. It's a lot of... Do you know why I see it with bad comments is... Um, if I've if someone's given me a good comment, said thanks very much, I just spent an hour listening to that and it's brilliant and you know, I'll fall asleep now or whatever, I think that's nice. Yeah. If someone's sent a bung going, well that's a load of shit, that's an hour I've just wasted, that's crap, don't you know, the bloke's lying, he's never been in the market, all these things yeah, that yeah. people can put out. They get a feeling yeah, of it. some they sort of satisfaction from doing that, yeah. So in my mind, I've helped you again then because I've just given I've you given some you sort of satisfaction buzz. of yeah a buzz of exactly and that's the way I see it it's win win for me I think it's weird good or bad I think they're weirdos like, yeah well I me personally I've never even written a review for a restaurant right never in my life I just don't I don't read reviews I haven't written reviews because like just 
completely weird things. Like I don't comment on things. I don't. If I don't like somewhere, I'm just not going back. If I yeah. watch this episode and I'm not happy with it, I'm just not going to watch it. Won't watch the next one or another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. well. See you later. Thanks for it. But yeah. And I I, you got to understand, uh, uh, if any business as well, and including if my, uh, with the clothing line and uh, everything else I do, and the, maybe the films I'm in and that, it's not for everyone. Yeah, you're never going to please everybody. And that's, if it's for the majority, great. That's where you want to try and hit, really, when yeah. it's for the majority. And if if on occasions things are for the minority, so what? You know, it's never going to be for everyone. So. Listen, there's there's plenty of people out there in the world. We're never going to make everyone happy. No, of course not. But if I've made one person happy, I'm sweet. I'm have I done my I done my job. Yeah, that's my yeah. job complete. Yeah, same. Yeah. But look, I want to know a little bit about you. Wrap it up on your next five year goal. What's so the plan? Five year goal is um, obviously for the clothing brand to escalate, uh, which it will. Um, you'll see me in a lot more film. That's going to be my that's my next five year thing. Plus, hopefully Hollywood. That's big. Um, and in in how big a part you know who knows but in a, in a holly in a, in Hollywood so your name's going to be in the credits let's put it that way <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um, and and that's what I go for now anyway I go I go for small parts in big movies um, you know I, I'm you got to be realistic again you know I'm 45 years old I was a essentially I was a bodyguard I, I was, I'm not a performing arts yeah. actor blah 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 so um, yeah I mean. That's hopefully within the next five years. I'll be fifty by then. Um, but you would have seen me in, in some Hollywood movies. It's all taken off, and uh, um, yeah, maybe I might still have the security company. You never know. Listen, at the end of the day, it's, it's your goals. Yeah, no one else can make them. No one else can break them. It's up to you. But I want to ask you a question regarding your mindset. Mm. You've been in the military. You've been scared. You've been happy. You've experienced it all. Do you live by a motto or a slogan? Is there something that you, that's your, your motto? Um, not, not really. I do always say um, a couple, couple of things. Really, one is if I don't like doing it, I won't. And I don't mean like I don't like putting the bins out, so I let the bins <laughs> fill up in <laughs> the kitchen like all year round. Bins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, if if I'm in a job that I don't like doing, I won't cut my nose off to spite my face and just leave as such. But very quickly, I'll start looking at what I want to do next. How am I going to go about doing that? And I'll make the make the change. I've always done that. That's why I've done so many different things if what I spoke about yeah, today. Yeah. Um, because I, I do things and I think, oh, I'd like a go at that now. I'd like a go at Always have a go at everything. doesn't matter whether you think you can do it or not. You know, someone said to me, well, be an astronaut. Right, well, you've got to be realistic. You know, 45 years old, obviously astronauts, often scientists as well. Maybe yeah. they were fighter pilots as well. I haven't got any of that. But, if I really wanted to, I could go to Texas and work in the Kennedy Space Center yeah. in the museum or in the, you can get closer to it and you can do, do you know what I mean? You can experience you it. You can experience it, yeah. So um, you, you can do anything and because of that, you can do anything you want. It might not be that actual particular job, but you can do anything you want if you want to. Um, it, it just it just takes thought, time and hard work. And as soon as you give up on anything, it's, it's, it's the end of it. You're never going to have that... Um, Lucky break. You're never gonna. You're never gonna fulfil that dream you wanted to do. You're never gonna make it into a living. If you want a job, you know you want to make into a living. Hobby you want to make into yeah. a living. Maybe um, you, you're just not. And I think you'd be surprised how many people have given up right at a stage where they might have only had to go on another day, even, and they they hit the button. I, I say to everyone, and we spoke about it about the other thing I got coming up is, if you don't try, you don't know. Yeah. Just try it. Yeah. If it don't work, if it's not good, if you don't what, enjoy it. What's the worst that can happen again? You, it's not going to do well. Exactly. Delete it. it, it yeah. if, you, if, right. if you think starting that new business ain't going to work, you try it. Listen, of course, I've not saying go and invest all your life savings into it. No, that's it. what I mean. You've got to be sensitive about all You've these things. You've got to be like yeah. mature and think, okay, let's, let's assess the situation. Yeah. But for example, if you want to start a hobby, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to quit? At least you tried. If you didn't do it, then you've quit already. Yeah. That's my mindset on yeah. things as well. And we had a conversation before we started, but it's it's good speaking to someone with the same mindset. Yeah. Because it, when I say to people, if I don't like it, I'm not doing it, they're like, oh, you're so arrogant, you're so cocky. No, I just don't want to do something don't, I don't, don't want. want to do. Yeah, I know. I think what comes with people who do do what they want to do, that comes with not doing what they don't want to do as well. When you're that level-headed about, I'm going to do this and you make it happen, 
you're quite level-headed as well when you've made your mind up that you're not doing something. Yeah. I think they come together because I'm very, is, I don't think there's sort of an in-between. And I also respect that some things I'm not good at, I'm not going to do. Yeah, I'm quite happy. I'm the first to say if yeah. I'm shit or something. Like if I'm, <laughs> but you know, I, I'd much prefer to be that person who I know I'm good at that, I'm yeah. going to smash it. I'm no, I'm shit at that. I can't kick a ball. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. Like, you got to play it. to your strengths as well. That's the yeah. thing. And and you got realistic play to your strengths. Like if you look at me for acting, like I said, I, I've I've been to acting school, but it's not three years at performing arts. I'm 45 years old. I had no previous acting experience at all. So um, I'm typecast because of how I look. So what do I do? I go for action movies because that's more likely, likely you know, what I'm going to do. I've only yeah. done screen acting, not theatre, because that's all I need now. You've got to keep everything realistic and don't try and be a, a, um, some sort of gymnast character in something that, you know, in a, in a classical movie where you're never going to probably get in. Yeah, and it's just, just stick with what, what you know and what you can do. And then the, if you do that, the dream will come true. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Listen. Simon, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Is there anything you want to wrap it up on? Anything you want to say to the viewers watching? Um, not really. If you want to follow me, you can see everything um, that I do at simon.newton on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok. Uh, I think that's simon.newton as well. Listen, if you send me over all the links, you ain't got Bang to tell it in, yeah. Guys, if you want to go and follow Simon on any of his platforms, just scroll down to the description. There will be all of his things there. His website, his Instagram, his TikTok. Follow him. Give him a message. If you ever need security, shout his team. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently they're pretty out. good. <laughs> Listen, Simon, thank you for coming on. Cool. Guys, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one.